a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Matt and Liz. And we are here to talk about episodes 10 through 12 of Andor Season 1. So, Matt, you have been the um, the lowest on this show, uh, not just on this podcast, but possibly on the entire internet, based on uh, the, way th- <laughs> the way that I read things. So, yeah. I, I'm curious if you feel that the, the end of this season sort of stuck the landing for what the season was trying to do. I, I know that you are not necessarily the biggest fan of what the season is trying to do, but looking at it objectively, did it accomplish what it was trying to accomplish with these last three episodes? So I think it accomplished what the season overall was trying to accomplish was getting Cassian into the rebellion. Mm -hmm. And we did that. So full marks there. Can't argue with that. Did it come through with any of the promises of the first six episodes? No, but maybe that will come to fruition in season two. So we will see. What do you see as the promises of the first six episodes that weren't, um, that weren't executed? I think it, it seemed very much like Cassian's driving force is going to be finding his sister with coming to terms with his childhood, with, um, being born on Kandara. Kanari. Kanari. Um, and, We've completely just ignored the fact of any of that for a while. Um, and then we had him wrestling with the idea of, I don't know if he was an Im- imperial trooper or a recruit, and he was part of some mission where they had to fight each other to find the strongest, or if it was friendly fire accident, or I don't know what. And that had doesn't appeared either. It just feels like they took a lot of time crafting these story arcs that then didn't get picked up. So maybe we will see that <clears throat> moving forward. But right now it feels like a we're at the end point of a series of Dungeons and Dragons encounters. And we're looking back and being like, oh, yeah, we never really did figure out where that key goes. Whatever. Fuck it. We're moving on. Um <laughs> So that's where I am with it. So it's interesting that you say that. I, I don't I don't 100% disagree with what you said there. I, I But I think that – so it, it, it's interesting, right? The, the show is called Andor, and obviously he is the focal point of the series. However, this is really like the rebellion begins, right? This is sort of a an origin story for the rebellion with him being the sort of titular character – that we're seeing most of this through the eyes of. And I think that the reason that we were seeing him as a young boy on Canary and seeing his sister and all that was to show, was, was to hammer home this idea that he is a man without a country to a certain degree where like, yes, he has this adopted family on Ferrix, but, that's not really who he is and they're building us up to the to the idea that the rebellion is going to be his family that that mm-hmm. that 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 you know the tribe he has been searching for is the rebellion and i think they're showing that you know it didn't work out with his sister and their homeland it didn't work out when he was you know recruited by the empire for whatever reason and he it wasn't really working out on ferrix either and now we're seeing it working out for him. Like I, I think that's what they're trying to get across to us. But I do understand what you're saying, that there are these like bits of his story that were introduced and not really all that delivered upon. Uh, Liz, what do you think of that concept? Yeah, and I, again, I, just like you said, Brian, I don't totally disagree with both of you either. Um, but it seems like we still have a whole other season to go um they had planned i i I think for a season two correct it was supposed to be five seasons initially okay and they scaled it back um 
So uh, from what I gather, and I, I had read this in an interview, I don't know if this is official or not, but it was supposed to be, there was supposed to be a season for every year between the start of the story and Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And now it is there is a there was a season for year one of this. Like this whole story takes place essentially within a year, probably less than a year actually. But you know that first year, and then they said that each of the three episode arcs next year will each take place during one year. Okay. So it will it will end with you know with getting him to where he needs to be for for Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. so knowing that, I don't know how much time they're going to spend on the older stuff if they're moving through you know um if they're moving through things that fast yeah um and yeah <laughs> the, i mean the writing's been so good in this series i'd like to think that they will come back to some of those unanswered questions um and you know it seems like a lot of cassian's story revolves around I hate to say it, the Death Star, his life ends, uh, you know, getting the plans for the Death Star um, when he is captured. It seems like it's confirmed they were working on pieces of the Death Star, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. They were uh, building the things that were putting those pieces on the Death Star in the post credit scene. Yeah. And we don't really know what it was that destroyed his planet, right? I feel like there are some questions there. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we could almost go back to, you know, some sort of, you know, accident involving getting ready for the Death Star. I feel like that could be interesting. So I'd like to think, you know, some of those questions will be answered. And just the writing has been so good on the series. I'd like to think they won't completely abandon some of those questions for some of those ideas that have been raised. Yeah, I I I definitely agree with, uh, agree with that in terms of the quality of the writing and and the fact that they're going back to so many things. Um, so I I, I want to talk about the Mon Mothma story for a few minutes here, and I don't want I could talk about this for an hour. Like this is actually my favorite part of the show right now, and um, I'm curious as to what you guys think about what's going on there. So the last couple of episodes have really seen. Mon Mothma feel like the um, the noose tighten around her, right? She she is she's essentially made made a deal with the devil to introduce her child, possibly for an arranged marriage with this gangster who's going to make um, her money problems go away. And her daughter is this like combination like church kid slash fundamentalist who is mm-hmm. who is getting into the like ancient traditions of Chandrilla where that's something that her parents have rejected or at least let lapse in their lives and she is like all about it and I think that they've done a really good job of showing Mon Mothma just like she's just she's sinking in quicksand right like she Mm -hmm. she just cannot get her way out and I think that that's a really interesting perspective we haven't seen a character really like that in Star Wars yet. Like, the closest we've come to that is sort of Lando in Empire, where he says, like, this deal keeps getting worse all the time. You can see he's just trying to keep his head above water, and things Mm -hmm. keep happening to him. But this feels, like, especially dire, and I think that Genevieve O'Reilly is doing such a great job as Mon Mothma in those sequences. Mm -hmm. Matt, I'm interested to hear what you think about this. Yeah, I, I really like it as well. I'm glad that we haven't started to see the turn happen uh, because it was becoming a lot of kind of woe is me. I'm, you know, I don't know what to do, but I like that she has figured out um, what she's willing to sacrifice being her family um, in setting up her husband to throw suspicion off of her. Um, And I, we didn't see anyone else give her that idea, correct? Are we thinking this was her plan? So that that definitely is something I want to talk about too. So let's talk about this. So do you think her husband is actually gambling? Or was no. she saying that to get the driver to listen, to report that that's why – basically by saying that, it explains why there's been money missing mm-hmm. and it explains why this arranged marriage makes sense because it will get them out of his gambling debts. Yes, that's, that's, how I think I, that's, that's how I read yeah. it too. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I, do I think he in the past has had gambling issues? A hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he yeah. that actor I thought did a good job too of seeming like sincere. Like he seems sincere. Like he really was not gambling. Mm-hmm. But that was you know her, she was doing what she had to do. She chose the the bigger picture here. She chose the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I I think you get this sense from the earlier episodes that her cousin Vel feels like Vel is doing the real work of the rebellion. And Mon Mothma sort of sitting in this gilded cage, do you know, mm-hmm. not really doing it. But when you look at what Mon Mothma sacrifices here, I mean, sacrificing her. I mean, I mean, look, her daughter may not actually be married to this guy or whatever, but she's basically trading her daughter's agency for money. And, and yeah, Mon Mothma knows what it is to be in that situation and to live a life of dissatisfaction because. You were in a, you are in an arranged marriage. She she lives that life every day, and now she's subjecting her daughter to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought I misunderstood who that guy was. I thought it was the guy from Solo, but now I realize that that timeline wouldn't have worked. No, it, this is are just... we supposed to know him? It, it seems like we're supposed to know that so... name. The only reason we know him is that her friend that we've seen, like there was that great scene at the dinner party where she's talking to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he Tay is his name. I couldn't think of it. Tay, mm-hmm. where he basically says like I can hook you up with this guy, and she says like he's a crook. I don't want okay. that. And he sort of says like, well, your options are sort of limited here, right? So I didn't know if that was supposed to be like a name drop that resonated. No, no. Although this okay. show does do a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, someone earned a dollar for saying Canto Bite. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I what I like about the show so far is I I do like how we are getting different versions of like we're seeing how how there are many paths to the rebellion and the Rebel Alliance. Mm-hmm. It, it's really showing us the difference between Mon Mothma and Sagarera and Luthen and mm-hmm. Cassian and the random people on Ferrix. Like, it, it is doing a very good job of showing how and why all these different people are are, 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 part, of the, are part of the rebellion, right? I think it's doing yeah. an excellent job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm excited for the second season to dig in even deeper to that because at points in the second season – we're going to run up against the Rebels timeline. So I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if we get someone like Ahsoka showing up in an yep. episode, possibly. Although I- I'm also happy if this is a laser sword free endeavor. Like I think I think it's good for Star Wars to not have everything come back to Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Um or I, I think Ahsoka as Fulcrum. Or right. even if they don't got the like, um other Fulcrum. Whose name escapes me at the moment? Yes, um, I agree. <laughs> I can't remember his name yeah. at the moment. But yeah, yeah, the guy from Selma, oddly enough. <laughs> yes, or even just like having Hera as part of it, or mm-hmm. you know, even having Rex as part of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you could definitely have Hera because Hera is still an active general in the rebellion by the time Rogue One rolls. Exactly. Around. Yeah. 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 Uh, the more I watch this, the more I'm sad that we don't get to see between um, a new hope and empire. Cause I like the idea of seeing these rebels come together and it's the battle of Yavin that really brings this group together because we see them like fight at Scarif, take that momentum into um, Yavin and really have their first big win. And I would love to be able to see like Leia bringing together these groups, getting these things under the fold. Mon Mothma really shining as a light of the rebellion. Um, but I know that won't happen due to um, creative restrictions. Well, yes and no. There's about three to five years of very boring comics that take place in that time frame. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And I'm sure that there will be books and things that will spin out of this. But I also wouldn't be surprised if you do get a a Mon Mothma focused. Again, I hope they I hope they get out of this idea of having to do everything as a series. Like you mm-hmm. could do a Mon Mothma movie that would be plenty. You don't need yeah. twelve hours of Mon Mothma necessarily. <laughs> no. I'm not saying no to that, but I'm just saying you know I think I think there's just there's this pressure to make everything a series where you have this platform you can release things as, however you want to. You know why does it have to be this way? Yeah, yeah. And um, this actress that plays her is just so good. She is really oh, yeah. really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's crazy? Yeah, is like, she, I know they're. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say she was cast in a deleted scene from Attack of the Clones, mm. or, oh. or was it? Or was it Revenge of the Sith? One of the prequels, and then they used her again for Rogue One. But I mean, talk about. I mean, usually if someone's cast in a deleted scene, that doesn't count. Like right now, but yeah. Yeah, so they they've kept her for a long time, and she's excellent. So mm-hmm. she is. Matt, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I was. I know they're getting away are theoretically getting away from the recasting of actors of characters with different actors. But Mm -hmm. I think that is a wonderful person to play that role. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And especially, I mean, you got to realize Mon Mothma's, I think one scene in Return of the Jedi. I think that's Mm -hmm. the entirety of Mon Mothma's uh, on-screen presence before Genevieve Riley was cast. Well, and that's what's so tough, I think, too, when it comes to recasting actors. It's just there's so much nostalgia and everything involved with certain characters. And Mon Mothma appeared, you know, so briefly. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone well, that, we're necessarily attached to. Yeah. Well, th- that's like, you know, if we're talking about a show set in the sort of in the relationship building era of the rebellion that Matt's talking about, it's really hard to do that without Leia. Yeah, but yeah. even if Carrie Fisher was alive, you couldn't have Carrie Fisher of today do that role, right? So, no. like, I almost think that would be a really good. They'll never do it because all the animation Star Wars does is animation aimed at kids. But you could mm-hmm. do like an animated series in that time frame and just make it a more adult. I'm not saying make it Archer, but you know, like just yeah. do something that isn't, that isn't aimed at kids. Phrasing, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that 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 mini series was. Freaking dark. Tales I don't of the Jedi, show you're that right. to kids. You're right. That, <laughs> that was, was incredibly dark, fight. yes. <laughs> um, so even doing something more like that and having yeah. those having those characters, you know, it, I think people will be less mad if someone else did Leia's voice than yes. if you let somebody play Leia on screen. Yes. 100%. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, so there are a couple of things about, about this episode in particular I want to talk about. Um, but I don't want to ignore the ones that came before. So, you know, we I, I want to spend a few minutes here talking about that that final episode on the, the prison planet, Narkina 5. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, this doesn't take place on that planet, but I think Luthen's monologue in that episode, people keep using the word Shakespearean, and people throw that term around way too much, I think. Um, and I'm sure Liz, as an English teacher, will agree with me that the term Shakespearean doesn't often mean what people think it means. <laughs> Um, yeah, I didn't have enough dick jokes in it to be it, Shakespearean. Exactly. Yeah, Where's the sword? <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't written in, in I Am, so you know it's, it's a little bit tough there too. But I will say, I think that was one of the more effective uh, monologues in Star Wars history. Yeah, I think that will last long past this show. It'll be very much the um, the Matt Smith um, monologue. Or actually, he has two famous monologues from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to be keeping a hold of that one for a while. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes like an audition piece for actors, mm-hmm. right? Like because it's just it is it is self contained. It's pretty short. You know, it's it, it's really good. I mean, it's it's excellent. And Stellan Skarsgård is an, is an incredible actor. So he is you know he is doing excellent excellent work with mm-hmm. this character. Um, but I want to talk about the sort of the whole prison break scene and the absolute heartbreak of Kino Loy not being able to swim. Uh, oh, f- yeah. That was like, this man I, is the hero we I, don't deserve. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. I, I, I feel like I literally, I feel like I was like slightly moving on my couch. And like when he said that, I like physically paused and like turned my head. And I was like, what the Fuck. Yeah, yeah, but he the, like first of all, Andy Circus is such a good actor. I don't know mm-hmm. how that guy became the mocap guy because right? he's a really <laughs> good actor. Like, yeah, you know, 
the way he delivers that line, he's almost laughing when he says it. Like, yeah. it's, he's he's laughing at the absurdity of the situation. It's like everything about it is just, it's a masterful, masterful delivery. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, and it, it it's, a, it's a line that doesn't seem like a Star Wars line. Like, he's not supposed to die. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, But it also, I, to me, I mean, one of the things that I think Rogue One did really well was show us the disposability of most rebels. Like, yes, we have Luke and Leia, but most of these people are cannon fodder. Most of these yeah. people get, you know, even, you know, Ant, 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 I think it's Anton Krieger, the the, the rebel who, who mm-hmm. Luthen sacrifices, <laughs> you know, like that guy, his job was to protect the source inside the ISB. You know, like, and, and, and so I think when you see someone like Kino Loy, I think without Rogue One, without this series, that thought is almost impossible to have. Mm-hmm. But ne- but we've we've been seeing the the disposability, the um, just the, you know, to make an omelet you have to break eggs. Insert other cliches here, you know, uh, of these characters. And I thought that was just such an incredible sequence. I mean, also, that was shot in a way that. I mean, it felt like you're watching The Great Escape. Like, or you're watching, like, a, you know, um, Papillon. Like, these, these, it felt mm-hmm. like a really, really classic prison break. Mm-hmm. And yet, it was it, very, very well done. It, it also didn't feel, it, but it didn't feel, it still felt like Star Wars. And that's, that's, I think, something that we have talked about a lot on this show is just like the, the idea of trying to define what Star Wars feels like. This managed to both feel like a classic prison break thing and still kind of feel like Star Wars, and that's that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, what was your favorite part of that episode? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm obviously torn. I, I think the prison break was um, as as a TV as an ardent TV viewer, the prison break was my favorite scene as an English teacher. Um, Luthen's speech was my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. So I'm definitely at torn. And I, I think they both appeal to different sensibilities. And I, I feel like there were just so many little pieces of both that were so well done. I, I know you mentioned, um, you know, just the way, um, Kino acted in the scene. I liked also the fact that Cassian got knocked off the ledge and didn't, he didn't have to make a choice right. about mm-hmm. what he was going to do. I really yep. liked that as well. Um, there were just, I, those two I think were my favorite and it's, it's tough to choose between them because they're very different. I, I also liked honestly the scene where um oh what's the guy's name that um Luthen was speaking to oh the uh, just, the spy guy yeah red hair spy guy yeah <laughs> um, when he was just kind of cornered in that uh, I want to say turbo lift but I don't think that that's the right term right. when he was cornered in there that was also I thought interesting just visually he was kind of trapped in there I thought that was pretty good too yeah that was great I mean mm-hmm. and again like just you see how even though the rebellion is going to be a good thing, it's ruining lives in the interim. Yeah. Like that, that, that spy's life is fucked up. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Luthen has sympathy for him, but only to a certain degree. Yeah. And, and Luthen's the, it seems one of the people who is making all of these difficult decisions, mm-hmm. He's you know, making these tough choices. Yeah. It, it's beautiful. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he's the he's the hard edge, and, it, and it's interesting to see him. Oh, was it? I think it was that episode. Is that is that the episode where he meets Saul for the first time? We see him talk to Saul for the first time. No, I believe that was the episode before that. Oh, okay. I, I think Saul yeah. appears in episode six and no, episodes eight and ten. I think or eight and eleven. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just saying, like, it's it's so interesting to see. Because you see Saw as like the extremist, the radical, the nut job of the rebellion. And to see him, to see the fact that Luthen is so much more cold and calculating yes. than Saw mm-hmm. is really interesting. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to, to show, again, the, the degrees here, right? Like... Um, Saw might be the revolutionary, but Luthen is certainly the the the, the mercenary. 
right? Mm-hmm. Just, and uh, I think it's I, I used the word beautiful before, and I realized I gave no context to that. The reason I, I say that it's beautiful is I think that sometimes we don't get this nuanced picture of what exactly goes into any sort of conflict. And I think that one of my favorite things in media, especially in books, I love a book that is about a, a, a small cog in a big wheel, right? And so I just think that giving these people's lives a few minutes of screen time is really effective and affecting. I think you can't help but watch the scene of that young father who's the spy who is trying his best to get out of that situation and, you know, can't do it. Um, do, did either or both of you watch The Sopranos? Yes. No. Okay, Liz, do you remember that there's a guy, he's a kind of minor character, his name is Eugene, and he goes to Tony asking if he can retire to Florida. Do you remember that episode? Mm, I don't, I watched it so long ago, I don't okay. remember. I have watched it like nine times because I'm an Italian, this is what we do. Um, <laughs> but uh, So there, there's this character who goes to Tony and says, like, I came into this money, my wife and I want to retire to Florida, and Tony says, I'll think about it, but you know, there's no way out. Like, and that guy, I don't think he, I don't think he thought that Luther would actually say yes. I think he was taking a gamble on this, but I don't think he ever really believed that he could convince Luther that he was getting out. Do you guys think that yeah. he, he believed it or no? Hmm. Uh, I don't think so. But I mean, he, he, He's trying to He's convince so himself desperate. of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he tried, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable. Or, you know, I, maybe his life view changed, um, had a kid, and yeah, he tried to convince himself of it. Might as well give it a shot. Right, right. Yeah, what's try. what's mm-hmm. the worst that happens, right? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was episode 10. Episode 11 was very much a... Um, an episode of just setting things up for the finale... Like, you know, mm-hmm. th- there was a lot of just moving the pieces to the places we need them to go. Uh, I am glad that we got a little bit more time with Brasso, who is the the big guy who's Cassian's friend on Ferrix. Oh, yeah. I yeah. really liked his interactions with B2 Emo, the the, the droid. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, you know, th- there's a great line where, I mean, it's, it's so sad where Brasso says, um, I don't want you to be alone, and B2 says, I don't want to be alone either. I want Marva back, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just like a, just this this really heart-wrenching, you know, scene <laughs> from, uh, yeah. from from that episode. But I feel like I, I was probably most down on the Ferrix stuff of any of the stuff in the show up until the last two episodes. Yeah, yes. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think we needed everything that came before it um, to really build the story mm-hmm. and make it, it it seem worthwhile. I do have to say, I feel like I, I liked the last two episodes, but I feel like these middle episodes were a bit stronger. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I just feel like there was there was such a clear sense of purpose, both with the uh, raid on Aldani and also the prison break. Like, mm-hmm. there's just when there's such a strong force of will guiding the actions of the characters, the episodes fly by. Yes. Um, at least that's how I felt. You know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily how everyone else felt, but that to me that was that was very much how it. Those episodes just had a a movement and a rhythm that was unlike anything else we've really seen in Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, and I feel like in these episodes there was on Ferrix there was more of a tension um, than in the prior episodes, which made this action on Ferrix yes. uh, more entertaining. Like that last episode, I, I felt like even with not much going on, the tension was high. Even just mm. with you know the musicians at funeral dirge, it oh, was that was beautiful. That, I yeah, know. that was that was good. That yeah. that that was what I was hoping to see from episode three. Okay. Like that type of rising up, being awakened, um, which they kind of did. They killed a couple of guys and then just kind of went back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad I'm glad we got there eventually, because um, that's what I was really hoping for from that whole thing. Yeah, and I think that 
like seeing again seeing all the different ways that the um that the rebellion takes shape and marva was was radicalized but obviously marva's been somebody who is who's no friend of the empire right but mm-hmm. marva has been radicalized by the aldani the aldani heist which she didn't realize cassian was a part of and then through her words she radicalizes the people of ferrix so like you just see this you really do see this and they use the word spark a bunch of times Mm-hmm. Uh, and but you do see these sparks that just yeah you know are are spreading and I think that this is the first show and and this is no disrespect to Clone Wars or Rebels I think this is the first time that you that we've truly seen how evil the Empire is and why people would risk their lives to join the rebellion besides the moral reason like everybody says if I lived in Germany in the 1930s I would never have supported the Nazis but like. It's very different to see what life is actually like for those people and how difficult that moral stance is to take. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like this, this feels like I fully understand now why people said I can't take this anymore. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's yeah. Been... I think it, it it gives a much fuller realization of the rebellion. When I was watching it, it very weird thought. I it. It made me sad to think of the um, sequel trilogy and how the Republic, this thing that we fight for, we build, we create, gets toppled over by a couple of assholes real quick. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, part of that is just poor storytelling and needing to get a bigger bad guy. But it's it it makes you sad how quickly these types of things crumble right yeah and i I think part of too what made at least for me this so powerful is that it was very relatable to real life i I know yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) star wars is i i don't know science fiction fantasy and a lot of you know what we watch and read can be but you know it was not far off from what's happening in the real world well, yeah. Well, Liz, yeah anybody um, listening to you... this in the future we're having a lot of a lot of nazi issues that we thought we were over <laughs> yeah popping uh, back up yeah liz say tell tell the listeners what you texted me during the episode today oh well <laughs> those imperial troops weren't even thinly veiled cops they were dressed as as cops they were just cops <laughs> shooting people in the streets you know just to be yeah it's... just they had batons, they had shields. I mean, it was, you know, it, it's what we see sometimes on the news. Nothing was, you know, mm-hmm. really that different. Um, I, which I, I think also um, I made it maybe I, it, relatable or easy to see how those rebellions do get started. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I... I I really like what this did for Cassian. Like I, I, one of the things we had talked about early on was was this going to undo, sort of the Cassian that we were going to get? Because you know, part of Cassian's story in Rogue One is we the first time we see him, he's killing a guy, and the last time we see him, he's he's holding somebody else in a tender embrace, sort of having having given all he can, right? But he, he changes along that path. He becomes less cold. He doesn't he doesn't kill. Uh, Galen Urso when he has the opportunity to you know he and so we were worried that this was going to make him too sympathetic to lead up to that and while we see him being a really good person he gets you know he makes sure to get Bix and Brasso and B2 off planet right before and he's you know he says he'll find them uh, as we see that but we also see this rebellion is so hard at this point so um so militant at this point that I don't think I'm not worried about him being too soft of a character by the time I get to Rogue One. I think that this this rebellion is going to kick his ass and yeah. is going to keep him hard. Yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah. Um. So Matt, you mentioned the music before the funeral dirge. Did you guys recognize that that's the music from the opening credits? <gasps> I did not. No. I saw oh my somebody... gosh! This is me realize. This is like 
me realizing that the theme song to Boba Fett was just them saying Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was more shocking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody pointed out oh, online wow. that, that oh, this okay. is this is part of the march, and so it's the you know, and I think that's that's beautiful. That's really cool. I, yeah. I like that music a lot. Um, but I thought that that whole funeral scene was pretty incredibly well done. And when you mm-hmm. again, there are so many little elements there. We see. Vel and um, I always forget Vel's girlfriend's name. Um, Sista is it Sista? Goodness. That sounds wrong. Sinta, mm-hmm. Sinta. Luke. There it is. Sinta. Ah, there you go. Vel and Sinta, and um, we see how Vel is really trying to have like a human connection to Sinta, and she is just totally focused on the cause. And just fantasizing about stabbing that guy. Exactly. Yes, and luckily her <laughs> fantasy came true. Um, and then we see um, Luthen is there to make sure everything goes as planned and that Cassian dies. And we get um, Cyril there, who is, you know, <laughs> I, I guess he's there for Cassian, but he's sort of there. He His whole life is holding up the boombox and say anything. Like, he's just trying to get Dedra to notice him and to... Uh, Stalking Dedra. Yeah. Um, oh, man. That... that uh... That was an awkward scene. It was. I mean, I I think she recognizes how nuts he is. Mm-hmm. I think this is a one-sided oh, romance. She yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I I don't know. Does he even like her romantically? I really feel like he is stuck in a professional <laughs> obsession. <laughs> professional crush. <laughs> a professional crush. Her power. What her, she wants to get Cassian. He does too. See, I think I, yeah, he wants I don't, to be I don't know. her. I think he wants to wear her like yeah. skin. Yes, um, yeah, I, I'd buy that. But yes. when you can't do that, sleeping with somebody is like the closest thing you can do, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, you you couldn't find somebody more Indiana Jones comical Nazi than her. Right, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> Very Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she yeah. echoes of, uh, what's her name from Last Crusade? Elsa. Yes. Elsa, yeah, yes, yeah, let go, no, yeah, um, uh, yeah, but but again, like this, I thought this episode did a really good job of of bringing all those pieces together, and and making this making this finale feel epic. And it's funny because we had this huge prison break that takes down an imperial facility. We have this giant theft of of months of imperial bankrolling, and yet the scene at a at a poor woman's funeral felt more epic than all of those things and i think that does a really good job of showing why the rebellion matters yeah i agree mm-hmm. yeah and what a group of regular people together yeah can accomplish yeah absolutely if they all try <laughs> now matt has do you feel better about things sitting where you are now than you did two three weeks ago Yes. Well, I I am of the opinion. I think these last couple of episodes were my favorite. I think that they, as a whole, were better than some of the other ones. I still think that this would have been a lot better as a six-episode series. Mm-hmm. I don't think we needed the first half. We could have told each of those stories in an episode. Um, and what what I'm left with, with like looking back and how much I like the rebellion piece, how much I like the Luthan piece, how much I like the prison piece, nothing of what I like has anything to do with Andor and it has nothing to do with the acting. It just has to do with the, he, I don't know. He, cause it's, I don't, what, what would be the opposite of a Mary Sue? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a Luke Skywalker just kind of he's floating through this story and like things are happening around him and he's making dumb decisions that move the story forward um, but then he does have the moment of heroism in the prison um, which I like but I, again I if they had enough faith in these stories that they didn't need to pin it on a character people had some recognition of 
I think we could have gotten a much more cohesive story and a stronger story. Because I think there are very strong pieces. Mm-hmm. I do not think it comes together into a fulfilling season overall. Um, to, again, make the internet hate me even more. <laughs> it has very much of a um, like a Mad Men vibe. Where there's excellent moments, excellent scenes, and then they're laid next to each other. And like, that's an episode of television. It's like, what? Okay, well, what's happening next time? Completely different shit. Doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I feel that's how I feel is that I don't feel the cohesion as much um, as you guys do. I think it has good pieces. And then I'll say, hopefully, maybe season two will wrap everything up nicely. Um, but I don't know about that as season two is just the again, closer prequel to him getting blown up on Scarif. Right. So, well, I, I, again, like with so many of the things that you say, I understand why you're saying them and I don't totally disagree with them, but to me, the sort of scattershot nature of the show is part of, is part of its necessity because that makes it about how the rebellion is right now. Mm-hmm. Like there, you, you have to sort of, you have to get a sense for, there are these machinations that are happening in the Senate. There are these machinations that are happening through Luthen's connections. There's Saw's stuff. There's like it, it sort of has to feel. It does. It, it doesn't. If it felt too cohesive, then the story would be either not chaotic enough or not wide enough in scope. I think this is the only way to make the story wide and to, to make it widescreen enough. To tell the to tell the coming of the rebellion to to tell how the rebellion comes together, I think you need it to be sort of bigger and messier and maybe not as cohesive. In terms of centering it around Cassian, I actually think that the prison break is a big change in him. Um, but that this but that his mother's death is actually the thing that's going to change him like so th- there's that scene after when he gets out of the prison where he and um I'm going to forget the name of the guy now his rebel buddy who he escapes from prison with they go back to Miami Vice planet <laughs> and he gets his credits and the other guy when he's leaving is saying like people need to know we mm-hmm. have to spread the word and he is moving forward with his life but Cassian is trying to go back to his mother. He's moving backwards still. He still is yeah. not ready to take that leap. Him basically telling Luthen, kill me or take me in, that is when I think he's going to become the person that we're going to want to follow for the for the next season. I think this was about getting us to that point. And I don't think it's necessarily about him. I just think he is the avatar of the audience to mm-hmm. a certain degree. We're, they're just showing us what the empire puts people through to get them to that point. Yeah. And I think in that moment in the ship, we see who was Cassian die. Cause regardless of whether or not he's shot or he joins Luthen, he is giving up who he is and what he is about. And then if we see that, then I enjoy the connection of that to um, Jin Erso, mm-hmm. who Jin Erso is able to remind him the same way she reminds the rest of the rebellion why we're fighting. Right. That it's not like, yes, they are an impossible um, thing to fight against. It is stupid to fight against them, but what else can we do? Because the people we love are dying. Um, and him remembering himself at his mother's death. Right. And then seeing that um, again through Jin's eyes losing her father and he realizes that she's the one who has the right path. He is maybe wavered. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all that makes makes a lot of sense. And I think that what is... What is good about this only being a two-season show instead of a five-season show is that, I mean, as much as I'm enjoying, if, if if all the seasons were this quality, sign me up for five seasons, right? 
but very rarely are shows that that consistent of a quality for five years or for any real extended period of time. But I feel like this is going to lead us, this is going to give decades of stories that will make sense in this context. And I don't mean, like, one of the things we have criticized Star Wars about, specifically me, is, like, I don't think we have to figure out why everything happens. Like, there's a comic that tells a story of how 3PO got his red arm that we saw in The Force Awakens. Like, no one needs that shit. Who cares? He's a red arm now. That's fine. But Yeah, but you can't recognize him because he has a red arm now. Right, I know, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, I, but I will say that, like, I think that we can see there can totally be a story set on Ferrix in the days after this now. Mm-hmm. That would be very interesting to me. It's not about getting cast, not about moving somebody further down the line to get them to where we need them, but this, like, I would love to see something happen on Aldani, like, after the prison, after the, the theft there. Do the natives sort of take control of that facility after that? What happens on Arkina Five? Does that does that uh, prison get totally shut down, or does the Empire rebuild it? Like there there are stories to be told there, and they're not to me. Those are the perfect like short stories you'll get in a in a comic or in a in a novel or you know like we 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 read that Empire Strikes Back collection of the short stories. Mm-hmm. Like I think that there are places to tell those stories, and they're interesting places to go, and I'm excited to see where they go with those. Um. But yeah, I want to leave you with a crazy theory I saw today. Okay. So, um, I've I I had mentioned this 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 uh person's YouTube channel, and I did not I did not give their name because I was a little bit critical of one of their videos. But I'm gonna give the name now because I think they've I actually have really come around on what they're doing. It's for a video series called Screen Crush, and the guy's name is Ryan Ari, and he did a piece. A fan had sent him a letter saying that he thinks that Luthen is a Jedi. And it's a crazy theory, and I'm not, I'm not going to do it justice. But just go on go on YouTube and just type in Andor Luthen Secret Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's actually what it is, but it's a really, really good argument for what it could be. Um, and I again, I'm, I'm not necessarily advocating that that theory is true, but what I love about Andor, and this is why I wanted to bring it up at the end of the episode, is that while it has not been about Jedi business at all, there has been no mention of Sith. I don't even know if the name Emperor has come up like in the whole show. It has. It has? Okay. Yeah. Um, But I love that the show can be about all these elements of Star Wars that have nothing to do with the Jedi, but there's still that little thread of of Star Wars that runs through it where that's possible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because of that, the second season to me could introduce so many things and I almost wouldn't be surprised because even though the show has been a very focused political drama, there is room for more Star Wars stuff to come in there. And that's both exciting and a little bit scary because I don't want it to be I don't want it to 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 lose too much of what has made it good, right? Um mm-hmm. So I'm so I'm curious. That's why I brought it up to ask you guys: Do you want more stuff? Do you want more Star Wars stuff to come into this next season, or do you want it to sort of stay in the uh, in the realm that it's playing in right now? I would rather it stay where it is. I think it's doing much more work as a standalone. Not not it doesn't need to be everything tied back to Jedi's. Mm-hmm. Liz, what about yeah, you? I, yeah, I agree. I feel like this is a show that um, seems like a, a little different from other Star Wars shows. It, it kind of has uh, its own. I don't know. It feels like something new almost because it. it I'm not constantly trying to uh, think about what's happening and connect it to other Star Wars mythology. It. it feels like it's um, with its own mythology while still within the Star Wars universe. Um, so I'm kind of hoping it stays uh, stays where it is. You know, we get a few... I, obviously, it's still linked um, to the things that we know, um, but I like it where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think I like it where it is, too, but the again, the idea of it being bigger than that 
also excites me. Like, I, I think okay. the, the, the possibilities excite me. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. And so, yeah, let's let, let's hope that I think they're hoping for the second season to come out like this time next year. But that seems maybe optimistic to me in terms of just how much they're actually like they have to film and edit 12 episodes of the show. That, that, that's, mm. that's 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 a long way off now. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, any final thoughts on this uh, on this season? Hmm. Uh, let's hear it for Anvil Guy. He really. Uh... Yeah, you're right. We yeah. mentioned him. Yeah. Go Anvil Love Guy. Him. Yeah, he's great. I actually think that the show did a really good job without feeling like info dumpy of giving us a really good sense of what life on Ferrix is like. Mm-hmm. Yes. We Those have gloves. a we have a really good sense of what that of what that culture is like right now. Um yep. Yeah. I am I am very interested. And also I, I did not think that we would get Bix or uh Brasso as important I didn't think they'd be as important to the overall show as they've been so far. I thought we were gonna kinda lose them mm-hmm. when we got once we got off Ferrix. Yeah, and, I remember talking yeah. about that. Well, I, are we going to see them again, you think? Mm. Maybe, but I don't think we're going to see much of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, now... Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Part of me almost thought that that ship was going to explode and that would be what <laughs> drives Andor to Luthien's style of rebellion. But we did not... We did not go that hard, right, which is yeah. probably for the best. Yeah, um, mm. but yeah, it's it's it, this was an excellent, in my eyes, an excellent season of television. Something very different for Star Wars. I'm happy that we got this. I'm happy that we are doing something different with Star Wars. I I will still make the argument that I think the first. The first three episodes should have been released as a film. And the second three episodes should have been released as a film. I think the last four maybe would have been too long of a film. But mm-hmm. I still think that, that that is a better way to watch the show than it is to watch it just week to week. I I agree. Yeah, those first three episodes are tough if you're watching them episode by episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you all for listening. We we appreciate it as always. We have a couple more episodes before the end of the year. Uh, we have some fun stuff planned that I cannot wait to do because it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And uh, Matt and Liz only know about one of those things I think so far. So we'll we'll talk about that <laughs> off air. Um, but remember, until next time, the force will be with you always.